For a few years, I did landscaping and snow removal. Now, those years overlapped with when I went back to college as a non-traditional student. One evening, after about 12 hours of clearing driveways, the owner and I were talking and he asked me a very direct question. Steve, do you really like doing this? I was exhausted, but my answer was an easy one. I do. It's tiring, but I actually think it's kind of fun. Plus, you pay me well, so when it snows, it's kind of like white gold falling from the sky. He laughed, and then he hit me with a phrase that I wasn't expecting and sticks with me to today. It's good you're finishing school, Steve. I never did. And if it wasn't for this business, I don't know where I'd be. So, what is it for you? For my old boss, it was his business. What would you place in that phrase that he used? If it wasn't for, I would be. If it wasn't for my parents, if it wasn't for that study abroad trip or my high school coach, I would be lost, unfulfilled, settling for less. Now, let's take it one step further and make it even more personal. Would anyone insert you or your work into that phrase? If it wasn't for John's advice, Darlene's service, Aaron's influence, I don't know where I'd be. Welcome to the Impact of Leadership podcast, where we believe that no one drifts into excellence. I'm your host, Steve Shear, and today's episode is with a leader whose mission is intertwined with my story. Dr. Debbie Ford is the chancellor at the University of Wisconsin Parkside, which is also my alma mater. We cover a lot of ground in this interview, from Girl Scouts to shutting down a university because of COVID to the role of daily routines. Debbie is focused, humble, driven, and brings value to this conversation. So let's jump in to her explaining what a chancellor is responsible for. I'm responsible for a lot as chancellor here at UW-Parkside, but ultimately um, leading our university and ensuring that we are delivering our mission of providing uh, educational experience uh, to this generation and, and future generations to come. And one of the things that attracted me to UW Parkside is the students we serve. And here at UW Parkside, just under 60% of our students are the first in their family to go to college like me. Uh, We have uh, among the most diverse uh, student body in the UW system. And I consider myself really to be this champion of student success, really helping um, our students and, and future students find that pathway through higher education so that they can earn their degree, um, which for many is a lifelong dream, and then lead and contribute um, back to our communities. The other part of my responsibilities, I believe, is to provide the optimal environment for our faculty, our staff, our students, and our community partners to do their best work. And I make a lot of decisions. I work with a lot of great people. I surround myself with with an amazing leadership team and faculty and staff. And I think we really are not only making an impact through our educational programs that happen inside and outside of the classroom, but Steve, you know the commitment that UW-Parkside has to community engagement. And UW-Parkside is a a university um, and was founded here 52 years ago uh, to serve the needs of this community, this region, um, and certainly beyond. And uh, so being our champion of uh, student success and 
leading and creating this optimal environment is what I do each and every day. So um, there's there's several things that I'd, I'd like to talk about, but why did you pursue a career in education? You know, what what what, what was it that helped set you on this path? Because you dropped you dropped something in there that might be tied to this. And if it's not, I want to unpack it a little bit later about being the first in your family to go to college. So um, maybe those are over, overlapping and maybe they aren't. But either way, I'd like to hear why did you pursue a career in education and, you know, the hear more about the first in the family to go to college? My parents have always uh, helped and focused and supported um, me and, and, of course, my two sisters for education. So um, even though they did not go to college, it was expected and understood that we would go to college. And I'm the oldest of three uh, daughters, and my mom always wanted a nurse uh, or someone in healthcare, but we're all in education in some way. When I started college at the University of Louisville, which was close to home, um, I was a commuter student, like many of our students here at UW Parkside, and like many of the students at the places where I've had the opportunity to serve um, as an educator and as a leader. I wanted to be a physician. I really wanted to be a pediatrician. And then I met college chemistry. And I did. I passed the course, but I didn't like it. And I thought, I've got to do something different and went to the, at the time it was called the Life Planning Center at the University of Louisville and took a number of assessments to learn about what I wanted to do and landed in a major for my undergraduate degree, counseling and guidance. And at the same time, I was really involved in campus life. And in campus life, in uh, student government, in the, the sorority that I was involved in, um, on some other committees. And I had the good fortune uh, to apply to be a new student orientation leader. And that happened in the summer after my freshman year. So I had the opportunity to help welcome the newest students to the University of Louisville campus. And that was a turning point for me, uh, Steve. It it really uh, shaped my life in the ways that, you know, higher education could be a career opportunity. So why counseling and guidance? Why did I want to be a pediatrician? Because my orientation is about helping people. And as a first-generation college student and in the role that I have as chancellor, this is the ultimate opportunity to pay it forward and to provide that environment uh, for the students that are following me, but more importantly, that are choosing a place like UW Parkside. And higher education changed my life and opened doors to opportunity I didn't know existed. And that's what I want to do for our students here. And I want to create the environment so that happens. So let's say uh, you're at lunch with yourself in early 2009, maybe like a back to future, back to the future kind of a scenario. But you're at lunch with yourself in early 2009 before taking the job as chancellor at uh, UW Parkside. Knowing what you know now, what would that conversation be like? What, what advice would you give yourself, especially in light of what you just said of, of the career progression and kind of that North Star of, of uh, student engagement? 2009 seems like so long ago, especially after this year that, that we've all encountered with the pandemic. But let me talk a little bit about what attracted me to UW-Parkside. And what attracted me uh, was a sense of the mission. When I first learned of this position, it was from a colleague who was the vice president for advancement and alumni at University of West Florida. He had just been appointed the chancellor at 
the University of Wisconsin River Falls, and he was coming home uh, to Wisconsin. And he learned of the UW Parkside position, and he shared it with me because he knew that my desire was to lead uh, a college or university. And I looked at this profile and I thought, wow, hmm, I need to take a look at this. I need to sit, take a second and third look. And then I realized it was Wisconsin. It was There was a lot of winter here. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Winter lasts until June. Um, but uh, I kept pursuing it. And my first interview, I felt really energized after meeting the faculty and staff on the search and screen committee. And the more research I did, I thought this is a place that is mission driven. This is a place of exceptional quality. And this university is focused on student success, but the metrics don't add up. And I just saw some you know, room for improvement and thought about my own skills, my own strengths mm-hmm. and my own experiences and what could I bring uh, to the campus. So you have to understand the why I looked at UW Parkside and of course, why I said yes, when given the opportunity, looking back, what would I say to myself? I would say, follow your instincts, follow your passion, ask good questions and be curious. And one of the things that I was able to do because of the process in which I was welcomed to the UW Parkside community and the broader community here in Kenosha and Racine in Southeast Wisconsin is that folks helped me to learn. And I consider one of my strengths to be a listener and listening to what is it folks want and hope for the University of Wisconsin Parkside, and then how to set a strategy for us to be able to accomplish that. I would say if I'm back in 2009, let's just say um, right after I said yes, May Mm -hmm. of 2009, and then started in August, I would say continue to be open-minded, Debbie, continue to listen, and know that you are following your passion and going to make a difference through the small and the big things that you have the opportunity to do at UW Parkside. That's good. And and a follow-up to that is way less insightful, but it, it, it is part of my curiosity. Coming from the South to Wisconsin, what was, what was the first winter like? Well, I, you know, remember I grew up in Louisville, Kentucky, and so Louisville um, has winter, um, but not a long winter. And I think the first winter was not bad. Okay. It really wasn't bad. I I expected snow to be on the ground like three months of the year. That really didn't happen. Um, I did have to invest in a warmer coat. And the two things I remember vividly, one is my feet were always cold and better socks and and, uh, warmer boots. You had to definitely make those investments. And then the other part that I remember uh, is that winter just lasts a long time. And we have four seasons here in Wisconsin, which I love. And this emergence of spring right now is great. Yeah. Um, but we have to remember that the warm days of summer, it, it's going to be a little later. But I, I'm, I'm more hardy now. And, you know, I think I'm surviving these, especially this past winter. I learned something else about Wisconsinites. Wisconsinites love summer. Even some of the community activities slow down a bit. Or if we if there are community activities that I'm involved in, they're all outdoors in the summer months. And we put up with winter because we have great summers here in Wisconsin. 
That's good. Um, so I, I read an article from 2019 where you said one of the best decisions your parents ever made was to enroll you in Girl Scouts. So talk about that a little bit. Why was that so impactful for you? I think uh, you're talking about an article that ran in the local papers and with a uh, picture of me when I was in second mm -hmm. grade and it was the investiture ceremony of when I became a brownie, which is the early part of the Girl Scout experience. And being a Girl Scout is something that I give a lot of credit uh, to my own leadership development and my learning. And as a Girl Scout, I had the opportunity to, to camp. Didn't always like all of those things, but I learned a lot um, about camping. I had an opportunity to meet um, friends. And we were really fortunate um, in our troops through brownies and um, the other levels of, of Girl Scouting uh, to have great leaders. And these women helped us to earn our badges. We did cooking, crafts conversations. And I think that makes girls um, stronger and more confident mm -hmm. and understanding the opportunities that are available to them. And, and one of my favorite stories uh, with the scouts is the two leaders that we had. I'll just talk about Mrs. Coons as one of those, Judy Coons. And uh, she had a vision that we would travel. And so um, our troop, we made, we raised money by selling Krispy Kreme donuts on Saturday mornings. And I remember my dad, uh, we'd pick up the donuts and we'd deliver them to probably 20 homes. And, and we would have that money and it would go into a small account. And there were three trips that I took with our, our troop. We went up into Canada and Niagara Falls and New York City. We did another trip into the mid-Atlantic states and different sites. We also went to the home of Juliet Lowe. Um, the founder of the Girl Scouts in Savannah, Georgia. And then the other trip was, of course, you have to go to Florida, right? And uh, Disney World, my first ever trip as a kid to Disney World. And we camped at the campground. And so just knowing that if you invest, you work hard, you could raise a little money and then you could see parts of the world. And we did it all in a school bus and, and camping and in uh, churches or what they would call today hostels. One other part I would add is, here in uh, Southeast Wisconsin, I was invited several years ago to serve on the, the board for Girl Scouts Wisconsin Southeast or GSYs. Okay. And of course, I said yes when Christy Brown, the executive director, asked me uh, to serve as a board member. I served six terms. And there I learned about today's um, Girl Scout motto and what girl stands for. So G stands for go-getter. I stands for innovator, R stands for risk taker, and L stands for leader. And I am very proud of my experience as a Girl Scout and to be able to serve on the board and make an impact and pay it forward. Another defining opportunity for me. I'm so glad that we spent some time there because um, there was a ton that I didn't realize uh, that, that, that had impacted your life through the Girl Scouts. And I have four kids, but uh, one daughter and the description, the acronym of girl, I, I want that for 
uh, for Lucy, for my daughter. Yeah. And I, I hope that for, for your daughter, you'll, those, those opportunities, right. And how do we involve our children in mm-hmm. either, if it's sports or if it's scouting, if it's other clubs and organizations that I, I think these are defining experiences for youth and young people. It helped me. And I know it helps our, our sons and daughters to understand more about themselves. Please, please encourage that. And you notice I didn't talk about cookies. Um, And I love Girl Scout cookies and sold a lot of Girl (laughs) Scout cookies, but there's so much more uh, to scouting and selling Girl Scout cookies is just one of the ways that the revenue supports the programs and services available uh, to the different troops. We've mentioned a couple of times or alluded to at least, um, the, the last year and a half-ish of, of time. And uh, of course, still, everyone is still dealing with and, and talking about COVID. Um, so education has been hit in a, in a particular sense. So what has been the most surprising lesson or lessons that you've learned during all of this COVID craziness? For me, I have several lessons uh, that I've learned, and I will tell you I'm still learning, but uh, let me share a few. I think first and foremost in my role as, as chancellor here, it's the resiliency of our students, our faculty, and our staff, and our community. And wow, a year ago, we had here at UW Parkside, we had um, extended our spring break. Our faculty were uh, working feverishly. Um, to transition the courses for the spring 2020 semester to an online, you know, virtual environment. Uh, for some of them, that was a new experience. And uh, for many, um, they, they had already been delivering courses in a hybrid way and some fully online. But mm-hmm. uh, wow, thank you to our faculty and staff, you know, for what they did a year ago to help us deliver um, our curriculum and one thing that I want folks to know is May of 2020, we celebrated the largest graduating class in UW Parkside's history oh, wow. during a pandemic. It was a virtual ceremony, certainly not the ceremony that we desired, um, but with that resiliency and that focus, we were able to celebrate the largest number of graduates. And since that time, our campus community is focused on um, protecting the health and safety of our learning environment. Uh, delivering our academic mission and doing our part to flatten the curve. And so the campus looks very different uh, today because of the health protocols that we have in place. Uh, But we continue, continue to focus on what's in the best interest of our students and certainly our faculty and staff. And a few lessons, right? Remember to laugh. I think to laugh and give folks space and grace. And that's really what we've learned. And we're all trying, but the pandemic has affected all aspects of our lives, not just our work lives, not just our personal lives, but our community lives and the lives of those around us. And so giving space and grace to ourselves and to those around us and to our loved ones, I think is really, really important and a a lesson that we've learned and that we really try to practice here at UW Parkside. We've made lots and lots of decisions and some decisions without all the information we would like to have. And sure. but we, you make the decisions, you communicate, you assess, and you need to be ready to pivot. Because one of the things we're learning, especially as the virus continues, but also with the vaccines now rolling out, things are changing, things are evolving. And so make the decisions and, and you, you just can't keep pushing them down the road. You got to make them 
communicate those decisions, and again, assess is it working or not. And if it's not, then we have to pivot and make new decisions. And I think those are mm-hmm. the kind of the key lessons for me in this role as a the leader of UW Parkside. When you look back and you, you touched on it, um, what were some of the some of your first thoughts or those first meetings like uh, back in March or April or whenever it really got real for you all at Parkside? What were some of your first thoughts and first meetings like? Because um, it sounded like the team really came together and pulled off a huge change not just virtual graduation, but a huge change in that the largest class was graduating. So I'm, I'm, I'm interested to know, because it sounds like your team was ready. They were ready. So maybe there was still chaos, maybe there wasn't, but w- what were some of the first thoughts and meetings like for you? Yeah, some good questions. And we've had a little chance to reflect on some of that uh, as we've sort of celebrated this one year mark. For us, we were monitoring this and uh, what was happening uh, internationally. And because many of our We have a number of students who come from abroad and we have faculty who were um, in Europe and Asia and other places around the globe during the holiday season of 2019. And so we were monitoring that closely and paying very close attention. And one of the first things that we did, Steve, was I converted the cabinet uh, to be the pandemic executive response team. And I had been through other sort of crises before uh, at the University of West Florida with hurricanes, and there are different stages of a crisis. So preparation is always first, then there's response, then recovery, and then, you know, sort of thriving in this next normal. And so we immediately shifted into a, our response team, and we met daily for about 30 days, uh, including some weekends. Where in some days it was in morning and evening, uh, just to be able to, okay, these are the things we're concerned about. And we set Mm -hmm. those three main goals. First, what do we need to do to protect the health and safety of the campus community? Second, how do we deliver our academic mission and ensure that those students that are enrolled, that we're able to continue to offer our courses and they can graduate and complete their semesters and also offer um, programs and services that support our students in a new in new ways. We also had a number of students living on campus, and how do we transition those students? Do they want to stay? Do they want to go home? Um, how do we deliver food service? I mean, there were so many decisions, and we captured those. The whiteboard is in my office now; it's on wheels, and it is now covered with you know all the things that we're working on, and you know our big strategy and our plans. But at that time, and I have pictures of this. It was the different decisions we needed to make, who was responsible, and what additional information do we need to know in order to make these decisions. And so for us, we went in and really, we met um, face-to-face for a number of days before we as campus leaders transitioned to our home environments. We transitioned probably late March, and we did not return to campus um, as as really in terms of a leadership team, I mean, our campus was pretty much on um, lockdown through July and early August. Now, some activities happened on campus and not everybody could work from home. And so we had to make those accommodations as well. But I could not be more proud of the leadership team here at UW Parkside and how we rallied together, communicated, supported one another, uh, made tough decisions and listened 
and and really learned. Uh, we are learners as well. And again, kudos to the faculty, staff, and students because without uh, their engagement and their support, we would not have been able to do what we've been able to do this past year. That is so encouraging and such an incredible example of people coming together without all the answers and being willing to lead when the instruction manual ended. There's no next step of how you're supposed to go through this, but you go back, you yourself go back to your training and different crisis moments and say, okay, we need to get prepared. And ultimately we're shooting for thriving. So in between there, we need each other. We need an increasing communication. One example that comes to mind, one, one analogy, excuse me, that I've mentioned on the podcast a couple of times, quoting my pastor is if people were like cups, it doesn't take much for a cup to get bumped to see what's inside. And people when they get bumped, sometimes you'll see what's inside of them. It could be good. It could be bad. All of that kind of thing. Playing it out here, you saw what your team was made of because you guys got bumped real hard with the COVID stuff. And you guys came together and had a focus on the students and the faculty and safety, but then also continuing the education. So um, well done. I mean, that's awesome leadership. And you did it as a team and you keep giving kudos to your team and to the staff. Uh, and uh, the students. Um, that's awesome. I'm, I'm especially proud and particularly proud just, you know, because it is my alma mater, but also to hear uh, those answers is, is so applicable in uh, times outside of pandemics when we're in our everyday working relationships and something happens that we're just not expecting. If we lose that large client, lose, lose that large donor, um, event gets canceled, we need to follow those same steps that you outlined. So that got me pretty excited. So thank you. Thank you for sharing all of that. Steve, that's great. And I love the analogy of the cup. And when you get bumped, right, you get to see, mm -hmm. you get to know what's inside it. And I think the the pandemic has certainly um, stretched us in a, in a lot of those ways. And it has, it has shown that uh, the importance of relationships. And I would say, you know, here, when we were going through all of that, Oftentimes you trust your colleagues, right? I mean, you, you do trust your colleagues. That's really, really important, but you don't know day to day what they're dealing with. And so when we had to come mm -hmm. together and everybody had to share, you know, how the pandemic was influencing and impacting intercollegiate athletics, the Ranger Athletic Program and life in the residence halls and the student health center and how do we lift up testing and how do we deliver the curriculum? I mean, we all had to understand the impacts in order to support one another. And, and folks really, really opened up. And rather than closed in, they really opened up uh, their thinking, you know, we're still learning, right? And not everything we did yes. was right or the right way. And that's the best part of leading a university is we're a learning organization and we're learners uh, within it as well. So good. Um, I, I want to know more about the, the inner, inner life that makes up uh, Debbie Ford and, and nothing too crazy, but uh, I'd love to hear you talk a bit about routines. So um, how do you view routines? What are some of your daily rituals? Cause I'm convinced that you didn't just drift here. You didn't just <laughs> show up, you were prepared. So what are some of the routines? What are some, some tips? Uh, this is a lot more tactical than, than, uh, than 
um, you know, strategic, but um, what are some of the daily rituals that, that you look forward to? Yeah. So, um, you know, this is a, a really interesting question because the one of the things I like best about working in higher education and the in the roles that I have had, and particularly here as chancellor now, is that every day is different. And and so I think about routine and ritual, and I'm like, you know, it, it's the ver- variety and variability and the so many interesting people that I have a chance to meet with and interact with. So you have to know that from the start. Um, But there are some things, you know, that I do. And one of my mentors gave me great advice when I interviewed this for this position. And we went back earlier in the podcast to 2009. And I think his advice still stands. And that was during the interview, you need to do two things, be yourself and do your best. That I think resonates with, you know, rituals and routine for me in that I bring my, the whole person uh, to my work life, my personal life, mm-hmm. my professional life, my community life. Right. Um, and I'm authentic. I mean, that is, that is the one thing about Debbie Ford is you, what you see is what you get. And, yeah. um, and that authenticity is really important to me. The other part about doing your best is to be prepared. Sometimes, you know, I don't have enough time to prepare like I would like, but always be prepared and do, you know, bring your best. But there are a few things, Steve, that are important to me that I do, um, you know, to help me stay grounded, uh, to help me stay, you know, energetic uh, for the work that I'm doing. And I love to walk. Uh, Most mornings, uh, my husband and I, we walk uh, almost three miles. And that's something we've been doing for a while, and that really helps. I also know that I have to step away and and take time for me. And too often, I believe leaders, especially women leaders, don't take enough time for themselves. And so I really uh, work to take time for myself. I do take vacation. Um, I am not one of the CEOs, leaders that works, 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 and never takes time off. I I have to do that. I have to model that uh, for my colleagues. And when my colleagues are on vacation, I tell them you were on vacation. When I am on vacation, I try to be fully on vacation because I think that's really, really important. On weekends, I, of course, have some work to do and it's mostly catching up. And But I also take time to relax. I take time to check in with family and friends because family and friends um, really ground me. They help me uh, to be a better person and uh, to be a better leader. And I enjoy listening to podcasts. And so I'm going to add this one uh, to my routines. I try to listen in the mornings just to get different perspectives. I always start my day with a cup of coffee. (laughs) And uh, um, I, I think about too, Something another uh, a colleague shared with me when I interviewed at a different university before coming to Parkside, you know, he reminded me in his role is he comes to his job, not to his life. And I think part of this ritual and routine is to realize that this wonderful opportunity I have at UW Parkside to serve as chancellor, it, it defines who I am in so many ways, but it's not all of who I am. And so just to remember that I'm a whole person. So I think that would be my message around ritual. I like it. Um, I have heard it said that everything rises or falls on leadership. So let's just say 
for argument's sake, that that statement is true or mainly true. So then where are you leading Parkside? What's your vision for the university over the next five or 25 years? I would love to talk about that in that um, you're a Parkside graduate. You know how UW Parkside has positioned you and transformed your life. Mm -hmm. And so I would like to ask before I answer that question for you to tell your Parkside story, uh, because I think it's important for the listeners to hear that. And then I will uh, share with you sort of our vision and, and what we're doing here at the university. Yeah, I love it. I wasn't expecting it, but this is fun. So um, I was, I guess, in quotes, an unconventional student. Um, uh, so it was in college two years at a private university down in um, Illinois, out of college for two years working at a nonprofit, and then um, went back to school at Parkside. And uh, so I was at I was at school I was in school uh, year round. When I was at Parkside, I went year round, did the winter room, did the summer classes, uh, evening classes. Well, I was at that point, you know, paying for everything myself, working a couple jobs. My Parkside experience was extremely formative, I guess I would say, and because I was I was nervous. I was so nervous about going back to school. I had confidence that I could do it, but I didn't know if I was just going to barely make it, like I had early on. Well, I turned up the discipline, I guess, of, of showing up to class on time and those kind of things because I was paying for everything myself. The, the bridge, I would say, that helped me really get there, and I've told my wife this, I've told lots of people this, are the one-on-one conversations that I was able to have with the professors. So the class size uh, aided in uh, group dynamics and group conversation for sure, but I am not a whiz when it comes to math or, you know, organizational leadership at that time was so foreign to me, um, or, uh, things like that. So my, my Parkside story really is intertwined with professors at Parkside who i still stay in contact with, um, through, whether it's through LinkedIn or through text and, uh, they, they helped guide my, my steps along the way to graduation. And really because of those connections there, both through professors and through students, it helped me get where I am now. And it sounds cliche, except when it happens to you, then you realize you don't do it by yourself. You do it with, you know, a village of people or a university of folks that that really come alongside. So definitely did not feel like a number. I felt like a valued uh, part of Parkside, which is why I always tell people, don't overlook uh, that that university that's in your backyard because there could be gold there. Wow, Steve, I wish you could see my face because I am smiling <laughs> and uh, that is that is so important and it frames the vision, okay? Our, so many of our alumni that I meet and we now have over 27,000 folks with a UW wow. Parkside degree and you know we've graduated more students uh, in the past decade than, uh, than really at any other point in our history. So we're so proud of that. Um, but our graduates say this to me, if not for Parkside. Then they tell me a story about how a faculty member took special interest in them, took the time to meet with them, and it's that personalized experience. And so, again, I hear this over and over again. And I think one of my responsibilities is to ensure that our graduates continue to say, if not for Parkside, I would not be able to do X or I would not be X, Y, Z. And then also part of the vision is to ensure that the quality of your degree that you earned 
um, in 2010 only mm -hmm. increases in value and impact. Um, and that's part of the vision that we have here at UW Parkside. So in 2018-19 academic year, we celebrated the 50th anniversary of UW Parkside. And I like to say it was our coming out party. Um, we're the youngest mm -hmm. university in the UW system. And at the end of the 50th or 50 year celebration, we set a strategic plan or strategic framework out to 2025. And so, wow, I can't believe we're already in 2021, but we established a bold goal as part of that plan when we looked at how are we positioning this university, UW Parkside, for the next 50 years? And mm -hmm. the bold goal is to increase the number of graduates by 50% annually by 2025. So what that means is in 2018, we were graduating about 800 students a year. By 2025, we want to be graduating 1,200. And because that means that we have more folks ready to serve and lead and contribute in this community with a baccalaureate degree and with those foundational and transformational UW Parkside educational experiences that happen in the formal classroom, but also happen um, through the high impact learning, like research with faculty, um, community-based learning, study abroad, or, or student projects. So um, that is the bold goal that we have set. And we are well on our way to doing that. And how are we doing that? We have sort of four main goals. First is to continue to provide transformative educational experiences for all of our students. Second, is to continually focus on student success. And that is to make sure we have the right and the appropriate student support services. And one thing that struck me is that you came to UW Parkside as a transfer student. Mm -hmm. Steve, guess what? 50% of the graduates here at UW Parkside over the last five years started at Parkside as a transfer student. Did not know that. Yes. And so they have that same trepidation and nervousness that you have, right? Mm -hmm. Because I've tried it somewhere else. Maybe it didn't work or life got in the way or other priorities. Well, one of the things that we're so proud of is that we are seeing that transfer students who are transferring from a number of institutions and who may be taking time off between that those institutions and UW Parkside is they are succeeding here. And so I, my message to our transfer students is you will finish at UW Parkside. And we're going to count you among um, our graduates, which we're excited about. So continuously improve student success. Our th third goal is to continue to partner with our communities. UW Parkside was founded by the community, for the community, and by a, a, this committee of 100 from Kenosha and Racine to make sure that there was an affordable, quality, and impactful four-year university uh, that is also public here in Southeast Wisconsin and could not be you know, more proud to continue to deliver that mission and have that partnership with our communities. And then our fourth goal is uh, to strive to be one of the best places to work in Southeast Wisconsin, because without great people, great talent at the university, we cannot accomplish any of our goals. And you've heard me give a lot of shout outs to our faculty and staff, and they are so mm -hmm. well-deserved. Um, folks here really care about the students that we have the opportunity to serve and educate um, here at UW Parkside and the alumni. Uh, we have the opportunity to stay connected with and the community partners that we work with. Um, so 
that is what we're focused on here uh, at UW Parkside and, and where we're going. And we are the stewards today. We are the stewards of this uh, mission and uh, really have the opportunity to position UW Parkside for continued success. Thank you for this. I have so enjoyed our time together. This has been sweet on several levels. I mean, there is valuable content woven throughout this conversation. Um, So I'd like to, if you're all right with it, I'd like to leave the closing of this episode to you. So if that's all right, um, where would you direct people from here and, and what do you want to leave our listeners with? Uh, first and foremost, come to UW Parkside. And now right now we have some restrictions because of the pandemic. But once those are lifted, um, UW Parkside, again, is for the community and here for the community. So come visit our campus, get engaged in what is happening and visit the university's website, uwp.edu, and find ways for you uh, to connect. Um, with our university, uh, the University of Wisconsin Parkside. And for other students out there, particularly adult learners that might be listening that have some college and no degree, come to UW Parkside to finish that dream. And uh, we look forward to continuing to be a vital and vibrant member of the community here in Southeastern Wisconsin. And uh, one of the things we know is that uh, at UW Parkside, we major in you. And uh, we are certainly more than you think. Uh, So take a look, uh, learn more about UW Parkside and certainly about our over 27,000 graduates like Steve and the meaningful work that they are doing uh, in so many ways. So thank you so much. Debbie, thank you so much for that. Um, I am grateful to have this time with you. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to connecting with you again soon. It goes both ways. So looking forward to our next connection. All right, for the takeaway and the action item, I've got one takeaway, two action items. First, my takeaway. A crisis is not the time to prepare. It's the time to display that you're ready. The four stages Debbie mentioned as a reminder, preparation, response, recovery, thriving. All right, action items. Number one, maybe go back to school. For real. Number two, what would need to be true for the people closest to you to say, if not for your work or your friendship or your influence, they don't know where they would be. What would it take to have that kind of life, that kind of work, that kind of mission? Now, if your life or your work or your relationships are lame, you got to work on them. The clock's ticking. If you found value in what you heard, I encourage you to do two things. First of all, give us a written review in whatever platform you're using right now. We read each of them and it helps us reach more folks like you. The second thing, send this episode to somebody who needs some encouragement. That's what we're here for and you are part of that story. Now we have dozens of other conversations just like this one that will aid in your growth as a leader. There's two main ways to get them. You can go to ccbtechnology.com podcast or if you're listening on your phone, just click that purple subscribe icon and you'll have access to all of the episodes just like magic i can't wait to be with you again soon but until then from all of us here at ccb technology thanks for listening